They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! He'll hear you! Here he comes now! I'm getting out of here! Johnny! Everybody shout! by his long fingernails and, and the way his lip curled when he smiled. He was a handsome devil. <laughs> Morticia, please, never mention his name again. I promise. Bubble. Carita mia. When we're together, darling, every night is Halloween. <laughs>
Happy Halloween! Welcome all to the most spectacular time of the year, even here on Wonder Mag on Air. Yes, we're suspending our regular format to bring you a Halloween-themed episode. I hope no one gets mad. No tricks, two treats. Rare recordings presented by Masters. First up, we have Boris Karloff himself. He's reading The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. I'm not exactly sure when, what year this is from. The record was reissued in 1976, but Boris died in 1969. I think this may have been produced around the same time he did The Voice of the Grinch, which was 1966. Karloff had such a unique voice and way of telling a story. The record contains stories by Washington Irving. We'll be hearing this thrilling ghost tale of Ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman. Coming complete with sound effects and original music. Enjoy. This is the story of a man called Ichabod Crane. And what happened to him one dark, dark night long ago in a place called Sleepy Hollow. One of the quietest places in the whole world. The only sounds ever heard in Sleepy Hollow with the whistle of a quail, the tapping of a woodpecker, and once in a while, when the boy went there shooting rabbits, the echo of his gun. But not many boys would dare to go to Sleepy Hollow. The people for miles around all believed that it was haunted. And at night, when the wind blew through the trees, witches wandered there, and spirits, Far from Sleepy Hollow was a schoolhouse, and the schoolmaster's name was Ichabod Crane. He was skinny as a scarecrow, tall as a ladder, and he had a nose that came to a point like an ice cream cone. He was very, very strict. He enjoyed keeping the children after school on sunny days, and he liked nothing better than to rap someone across the knuckles with a hickory stick when they didn't know their lessons. Ichabod Crane was long and lean. He looked just like a big string of green. He was tall as a ladder, skinny as a flea, but he thought he was handsome as can be. Ichabod Crane, he taught in school. He had one simple teaching rule. He whacked all the children with a hickory stick if they didn't learn their lessons quick. Ichabod loved Ichabod. He loved himself, you bet. He thought he was the nicest man that he had ever met. Ichabod Crane had just one fight. He'd meet a ghost on a dark black night. That may seem like a lot of silliness to you, but one night all his wildest fears came true. Ichabod 
himself you bet He thought he was the nicest man That he had ever met Ichabod Crane had just one fright He meet a ghost song Fire black and light That may seem like a lot of silliness to you But for night All his wildest fears came true Ichabod Crane knew a lot about many things But the things that he knew the most about Were witches His spirit Everyone loved to listen to Ichabod Crane's strange stories. What nobody knew was that Ichabod Crane believed the stories himself, and they frightened him. And the story that frightened him most of all was the story of the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow. You see, many years ago, near where the schoolhouse stood, two armies had had a battle, and in this battle, a soldier had his head blown off by a cannonball. Well, the story went that on the darkest, gloomiest nights, the soldier's headless ghost, wearing a long red cape, galloped on his black horse to Sleepy Hollow, looking for his head. <laughs> When the sleepy hollow rides to the midnight gloom If you listen, you can hear, hear, hear His horse's footsteps loud and clear Horseman of Sleepy Hollow rides on a big black horse. He is dressed in a cape of flaming red. He's looking for his head. The headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow goes like the very wind. Riding, riding through the night, he disappears when it grows light. A headless horse with a sleepy hollow travels the countryside. Past the graveyard and the stream, while all the people sleep and dream. Horseman of Sleepy Hollow never will lie in peace till he finds what he's looking for. His head blown off with the cannon's roar. Everyone thought that Ichabod Crane was the smartest man in the whole countryside. And all the mothers begged Ichabod to marry their daughters, and the fathers begged him too, and so did the daughters. But Ichabod said no. He had a wife already picked up. Her name was Katrina Van Tassel. She was as plump and pretty as a pink cupcake. But what was much more important to Ichabod was her father's farm. It was the biggest, richest farm that he had ever seen. And he knew that if he married Katrina Van Tassel, someday it would all be his. 
Katrina Van Tassel's father's farm is a very great delight Especially for a person with a hearty appetite There are pigs for ham and bacon, there are pigs for crown of pork There are pigs for making sausage, so just bring a knife and fork There are cows for milk and butter, there are cows for cream and cheese There are cows for steak and roast beef, so just bring your napkin please Katrina Van Tassel's father's farm is a very super treat Especially for a person who likes to eat and eat of lamb, there are lambs for making stew, there are lambs for chops and shoulder, but if lamb is not for you, there are chickens there for frying, there are chickens there for eggs, there are chickens there for roasting, there are chickens there for legs. Katrina Van Tassel's father's farm where you eat until you hurt. There are lots of other things to eat when you're ready for dessert, when you're ready for dessert. When you're ready for dessert, when you're ready for dessert. Ichabod Crane had many rivals for Katrina's hand in marriage. By one Valentine's Day, she got 42 boxes of candy and 78 bouquets. But Katrina Van Tassel turned up her pretty little nose at most of the boys. She only liked the skinny schoolmaster and one other, handsome Brombone. Brom Bones could tame the wildest horses, swim the swiftest rivers, and chop down the tallest pine trees in the forest with one hand in his pocket. Brom Bones was a blacksmith, and every day when the children got out of school, they would go to watch Brom Bones making horseshoes. The children loved Brom Bones, and he loved children. He wanted to marry Katrina and had ten of them. As for her father's farm, why, he never even gave it a thought. And Katrina Van Tassel couldn't make up her mind which one she liked the best. The clever Ichabod Crane or the kind Brombo. So, one dark, gloomy Halloween night, there was a party at the Van Tassel farm. There was music and singing and dancing and plenty to eat and drink, and everyone said that they had never been to a more wonderful Halloween party in their lives. We're having a party on Halloween, the finest party we've ever seen, with barrels of cider and apples of course and piles of donuts as high as a horse. We dance around because we're having fun. Let's do a square dance, everyone. Grab your partner, do-si-do. -do. Circle around and away we go. Now clap your hands and form a ring. The Virginia Reel is the very next thing. Big time now, let's go! We're having a party on Halloween, the 
barrels of fun and barrels and barrels of fun, fun, fun. Barrels and barrels of fun, fun, fun. Crane wandered among the guests, thinking to himself, Some day soon I'll marry Katrina, and all this will be mine. Soon I'll never have to teach those nasty little brats again. Late in the evening, when the dancing was over, and the women were cleaning up the remains of the doughnuts and cider, the men gathered round the fireplace, lit their pipes, and began to tell the ghost stories of which they were all so fond. And just before they went home, they called on Ichabod, who told the story of the headless horseman of Sleepy Hollow, which was always the most frightening story of all. After saying goodnight to Katrina, Ichabod got on his old horse gunpowder and plodded off towards home. It was midnight, the witching hour. Somewhere, far in the distance, a dog howled. The wind moaned across the high hills, and all the stories of ghosts and goblins that he had just heard began coming back into his mind. <laughs> the night grew darker and darker, gloomier and gloomier. Ichabod had never felt so lonely in his life. He started to whistle to keep up his spirits. As he passed the great oak tree near the sleepy hollow bridge, Ichabod began to feel better. Soon he'd be home. But suddenly, he heard a groan. His teeth chattered. But it was only some branches creaking together. As he approached the sleepy hollow bridge, Ichabod's heart began to thump. Old Gumbabda started across the bridge. Slowly, very slowly. They were almost across the bridge, when there, right in the middle of the road before them, a huge black shape loomed up out of the night. Ichabod turned the horse and clattered back across the bridge. The huge black shape rode after him. Ichabod's heart was pounding, and he rode faster and faster and faster. The huge black shape kept gaining. He saw silhouetted against the moon a horse and a rider. The horse was black. The rider wore a long red cape, and there on the saddle in front of him, he carried his head. Ichabod kicked old gunpowder to make him go still faster, but it was no use. The headless horseman was right behind him now, and then next to him, riding right alongside. Ichabod turned, just as the horseman lifted his head from the saddle, held it high in the air, and threw it straight at Ichabod, knocking him off old gunpowder and into a ditch. The next day, when the children went to school, Ichabod wasn't there. He wasn't at his house either. He was nowhere to be found. The only remains of Ichabod were his horse, old gunpowder, cropping the grass in the warm fall sunshine next to a ditch not far from the sleepy hollow bridge. And at the bottom of the ditch were Ichabod's head and the shattered remains of a pumpkin head. But Ichabod himself was never seen in those parts again. Everyone agreed that Ichabod had been carried off by ghosts. 
Almost everyone, that is. Brom Bones, who married the pretty Katrina a few months after Ichabod disappeared, just laughed when anyone told the story. He just threw back his head and he laughed and laughed. <laughs> Horseman, one midnight dark and black, who frightened him away from here, and he's never coming back. Goodbye, Crane. I'll tell you how I know. <laughs> what happened to it, Goodbye, Crane? morning or mid-afternoon, whichever it may be. Up next from a 1962 Golden Records release, Alfred Hitchcock presents Ghost Stories for Young People. And maybe not so young. The Master of Suspense doesn't narrate, but does introduce, which is something he does very well. The story we'll be hearing is by the writer Saki, and it's called The Open Window. We hope you get as big a thrill out of these as we do. And remember... Happy hauntings! I've been thinking the past few minutes. It's interesting to note how being afloat makes one thoughtful. The soothing motion, I suppose. At any rate, I was thinking that perhaps it might not be a good idea for you to listen to too many ghost stories. For instance, this is the sort of thing that could possibly happen. Mr. Nuttall was a very nervous man. He had been undergoing treatment for several years now, and as he had an independent income and no need to work, 
He spent a great deal of his time in visits to friends and relatives. Before his nervous condition had come about, he had been an almost total recluse, spending a great deal of time raising mushrooms in his damp cellar and reading a large number of books. As a consequence, his visits to see relations consisted of meeting a large group of comparative strangers. It was in the early fall of the year when he knocked on the door of the Sappleton residence. He was ushered in by a very dignified 10-year-old girl who asked him to have a seat and told him that her aunt would be down shortly. She sat for a moment, glancing at a large, strangely bound book, then looked up at Mr. Nuttall. Uh, do you know many of the people around here, she asked. Hardly a soul, said Mr. Nuttall. Then you know practically nothing about my aunt, said the girl. Now, Mr. Nuttall admitted he knew only her name and address. Uh, the young girl smiled sympathetically. <sighs> her great tragedy happened just three years ago. Tragedy? inquired the nervous Mr. Nuttall. The girl pointed to the French windows leading to the lawn. You may wonder why we keep that window open in the fall of the year. Oh, it is quite warm for this time of the year, said Mr. Nuttall, shifting in his chair. But uh, has that window got anything to do with the tragedy? The girl then told him this story. Out through that window three years ago this very day, her husband and her two younger brothers went off for a day's hunting in the woods, you can see there. They never came back. In crossing the swamps to their favorite piece of hunting ground, all of them were engulfed in a treacherous piece of quicksand. Their bodies were never recovered. That was the dreadful part of it. My poor aunt thinks they will all come back someday, they and the little brown dog that was lost with them, and walk in that window just as they used to do. That is why the window is kept open every evening till night falls. Poor dear aunt, she has often told me how they went out, her husband with his white raincoat over his arm, and Ronnie, her youngest brother, singing, as he always did to tease her because she said it got on her nerves. Do you know that sometimes on still, quiet evenings like this, I almost get the creepy feeling that they will all walk in through that window. Mr. Nuttall shuddered and was relieved when the aunt bustled into the room with a whirl of apologies for being late and making her appearance. I hope Vera has been amusing you, she said. She's been very interesting, said Mr. Nuttall, glancing in the direction of the open window. The long shadows of the late afternoon made the distant trees even gloomier, he thought. I do hope you don't mind the open window, said the aunt in a brisk voice. My husband and brothers will be home shortly from hunting, and they always come in this way. They've been out in the marshland today, so they'll make a fine mess on my poor carpets. <laughs> so like you men folks, isn't it? She prattled on cheerfully about the hunting and the scarcity of birds and the prospects for duck in the winter. To Mr. Nuttall, it was all purely horrible. He made a desperate but not too successful attempt to turn the talk to a less ghastly topic, but he was conscious that his hostess was not giving him a great deal of her attention. Her eyes were constantly straying past him to the open window. 
He thought it was an unfortunate coincidence that he should have paid his visit on this tragic anniversary. <coughs> he uh, <coughs> cleared his throat nervously and tried once more to capture the attention of his hostess. Uh, the uh, doctors agree in ordering me complete rest, an absence of mental excitement and the avoidance of anything in the way of physical exercise. Uh, on the matter of diet, they are not so much in agreement. No, said the aunt. Then she suddenly brightened into alert attention. Here they are at last and just in time for tea. Don't they look as if they're muddy up to the eyes? Mr. Nutter shivered slightly and turned toward the little girl to give her a smile of sympathy. The child was staring out through the open window with dazed horror in her eyes. In the chill shock of nameless fear, Mr. Nuttall swung around and looked in the same direction. In the deepening twilight, three figures were walking across the lawn toward the window. They all carried guns under their arms, and one of them carried a muddy white raincoat. A tired brown spaniel was close at their heels. Noiselessly, they neared the house. And then Mr. Nuttall heard... Good heavens, just as the little girl had said, one of the men was singing. Mr. Nuttall grabbed wildly for his hat and coat and dove for the front door. Flinging it open, he ran down the path, tried to jump the hedges, tripped and fell down. He picked himself up and with one terrified look back at the house, ran down the road toward the railroad station. Back in the house, the figure carrying the muddy white raincoat stepped in the open window and said, well, we're home, dear. A bit muddy, but on time for supper. Who was that that ran out as we came up to the house? Uh, that was a Mr. Nuttall, dear, said the aunt. Some distant relative who dropped in for a visit. Extraordinary man. All he seemed to talk about was his illness. And when he saw you coming, dashed off without saying a word. I don't know what to make of it. The little girl shook her head gravely and said, I expect it was the spaniel. Mr. Nuttall has a horror of dogs. He was telling me just before you came down that once he was chased into a cemetery by a pack of wild dogs and had to spend the night in a newly dug grave with the creatures snarling and grinning and foaming just above him. Oh, why the poor man, said her aunt. One would have thought he had seen a ghost. The little girl smiled sweetly.